The Straight Cash Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So, say, for example, the Gophers were playing a huge game against the Wisconsin Badgers in a couple of weeks. If you are looking for tickets, there is no better place to go than game time. You can easily see the seats that you are considering from the app. You can book with two taps and you have your tickets in your in your app on your phone. There's no stress. There's no negotiating or bartering outside of TCF Bank Stadium. With a couple of taps, you can see your seats, you can buy the tickets, and most importantly, you save money. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello and welcome to the Straight Cash Podcast, a special episode today. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Chad Graff, joined today by my colleague on the Vikings beat, Arif Hassan. And we're doing things a little bit different in the middle of this Vikings bye week. Uh, this this is an exciting time. We've got all across the athletic, we're rolling out all decade teams from the 2010s to now as the end of the decade approaches wrapping up with All-Decades team. So we are going to bring you the Minnesota Vikings All-Decade team. You can read our full version of the story between Arif and I at theathletic.com. If you're not yet a scriber, subscriber, you can do so for 40% off at theathletic.com slash straight cash. You'll be able to see the Wild, the Wolves, the Twins. You can hear more about those uh, all-decade teams as well on their podcast. I'll even be joining, putting on my Wild hat, my Wild beat writer hat that I used to wear, and joining Michael Russo on Straight from the Source to break down the Wild's all-decade team. Puckett Will Do It Live is your uh, podcast for the Twins and Hoops and Howls for the Timberwolves. But first, Arif, after much consideration, our all-decade team is finalized. What are your thoughts? I think it's a pretty good team. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny too because there there are definitely some spots where you're kind of, I think, a little bit surprised by who would be on the all-decade team. So, for example, um, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback, which you know I, I don't think is. Surprising given how well he's played this season, but perhaps surprising in the fact that he's only been in Minnesota for a year and a half. And this is a quarterback who, presumably, I haven't seen Washington's all-decade team, but there's a decent chance that he's on two all-decade teams this season. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you you don't really expect to see that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for Cousins, uh, there's just really, it was not to like take too much away from him, but there just really isn't a case to be made for anyone else. I mean, the the most recent stretch of good play from a quarterback that was really at a high level was Favre. That's 2009. You can't count it. You have to count 2010 Favre, which means he just can't be on the all-decade <laughs> team. Uh, and then after that, our options are like Teddy Bridgewater, which 
I guess could make sense, but I just don't think he was playing at kind of a high enough level to supplant Cousins. Um, yet Sam Bradford had a year. Case Keenum had a year. Uh, and so we're really going with a quarterback that's had more than one year of above average play. And again, not to take too much away from him, but it's just difficult to look elsewhere. It's not like we're going to say, hey, you know, for one game, we take Joe Webb. So it's Joe Webb. <laughs> and I was looking at some Kevin Stefanski numbers because, you know, in recent days, everybody's been talking about Kevin Stefanski and the great job that he has done. And that is all fair. Uh, but one of the things that we were looking at is how many different quarterbacks have the Vikings have gone through who have started a game for the Vikings since Kevin Stefanski got here in 2006. Kirk Cousins, it turns out, is one win away from matching Teddy Bridgewater and Brett Favre for the most wins by a quarterback since 2006 and two away from being the winningest quarterback in that time frame, which is is really something considering uh, he has not yet wrapped up his second full season with the Vikings. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe his confession that he was a 500 quarterback for all of his whole career uh, has sparked something. I don't know. Turns out that self awareness maybe was uh, was the missing key. So before we dive too much into quarterback and and then running back and the rest of the roster, when you just give a quick scan of this, what do you think is the strength of the Vikings' all decade team? Uh, quick scan. It's actually difficult to say because uh, it might be easier to say what's the weakness because you take a look at this all-decade team. I wasn't really joking. It's a really good all-decade team, which you'd kind of hope for, but I imagine some teams aren't stacked at a lot of positions like the Vikings are. Um, personally, I probably the defensive line, uh, which mm-hmm. has just been true historically since like 1963 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, the defensive line for the Vikings all-decade team kind of matches the defensive line for probably the Vikings all-time team, just in terms of its relative strength versus other teams. Uh, and you've got, you know, really phenomenal players at, at every position there. So you could say, you know, the receiver core is really strong. That'd be fair. You could say the secondary is really strong. Again, we're taking probably the best versions of these players. Um, so right. <laughs> th- that's kind of the, <laughs> the important part there. Uh, but I, honestly, I just think that the defensive line is just so good that uh, it's difficult to... I mean, we had to... We had to take someone off that is currently on a Hall of Fame trajectory on the defensive line. <laughs> when Daniil Hunter, Hunter and Pat Williams can't make the all-decade team, uh, you know that they've got some really good players on there. And then, so the defensive line is stacked, and we'll get to how good the defense is, which I don't think is terribly surprising considering that the defense has bet, had some very good seasons in the 2010s. But uh, the Vikings in 11 personnel is going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with when you've got Stefan Diggs, Percy Harvin, Adam Thielen as your wide receivers with Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Uh, pick your poison on that one. But I suppose um, we'll start at the most important spot with quarterback uh, and them in 11 personnel. Are Is there anything else about Kirk Cousins that sticks out? Because I think that a lot of there's probably some fair and deserved disappointment with the way his first season went he had lots of critics is this guy ever going to get above 500 and you know to be sure what what happens the rest of this season and into the playoffs um you know is going to mean the most to Kirk Cousins and and what his legacy ends up being but was there an argument you think for Teddy Bridgewater Favre really 
you know, didn't you're only getting 2010 Favre, so that doesn't do much for you. Then you get into Ponder and the rotation there. So I think the only other real option was Bridgewater, but um, 11 he had an 11 win season and, and not a whole lot else. Yeah, it, it's interesting because the the two best quarterbacks, like just in terms of their careers, are Brett Favre and Donovan McNabb. And there's no argument to put them on the old decade right. team for the Vikings <laughs> um, or, you know, I guess for anybody in the 2010s. So uh, <laughs> y- you end up uh, looking at Teddy Bridgewater, who, you know, obviously, if if things had gone a different way, would probably still be the quarterback based off of, you know, how people are kind of responding to him in New Orleans. Um, he's, he's probably still the quarterback in that scenario. And then it, it's just as easy to pick him versus anyone else. Um but yeah, I, I think you you could make an argument for for Bridgewater, and I don't think it's like a bad argument. But I also just think it's kind of fairly clear that you have to pick Cousins here, um, who you know it helps that you know his strengths kind of align with what the modern NFL kind of really wants. Quarterbacks are now doing better under center uh, than they are out of shotgun in the NFL. A big part of that is because of play action. Kirk Cousins is a really remarkable play action quarterback. You know, uh, defenses uh, are, are I'm not going to say getting worse, but are kind of being put on, on the on the back foot because of the rule changes. And he does a really good job against defenses that, that, that are struggling. So uh, in a lot of ways, he's kind of a modern NFL quarterback, and that really fits what, uh, you know, kind of the Vikings need given what they have. And his production has kind of matched that this year. You know, he got uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Month uh, with the highest passer rating in the second highest passer rating in the, in the history of the NFL over the course of a full uh, calendar month. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, Bridgewater got you know Pepsi Rookie of the Year. It's not really the same in terms of accolades. <laughs> well, we while we have a modern quarterback, we don't exactly have a modern running back, but it was still a fairly easy decision. And we even picked a fullback for when we want to get into those bigger packages, as you mentioned. So, Arif, how does the uh, group of running backs look that we had to choose from? Yeah, I think for a lot of other teams, it would have been easy just to not have a fullback and no one would talk about it. But the Vikings have carried a fullback in every year of their existence as a franchise. Um, I haven't double-checked that, but I'm very confident it's true. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, I had to pick a fullback. I'll talk about that in a second. Adrian Peterson is the obvious choice here. Um, you know, he had his record season this decade, uh, especially that eight-game stretch at the back end of 2012. He had a really good season in 2013 and obviously kind of before that. And though he tailed off 2014-2015, you have to pick his resume over Dalvin Cook, uh, who, yeah, he's having a potential MVP season this year, but he's not producing at an every-game pace like Peterson did in 2012. And he doesn't have that many other seasons or other games in other seasons to back him up and, and push uh, Peterson for that spot. And obviously, with those two running backs those are the two running backs it's not as if Matt Alziata or Jarek McKinnon have a strong enough case to even be in this discussion it also helps that Peterson is the best pure runner of the decade and so uh you know he he has an argument to be on the NFL all decade team uh for for this decade he's obviously in that awkward situation where you know a good chunk of his career three or four years was before but you know, it's like him and Jamal Charles. And, and and when that's the discussion, it'd be foolish to you'd be overthinking it, really, just to be like, well, Devin Cook's a better pass catcher, better put it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just overdoing it. So uh, it's obviously Adrian Peterson um, who leads all running backs this decade in rushing touchdowns uh, and, and yards per game. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, he defined the franchise for a long time. You can't say that about 
maybe anybody else on on this list. So you, you kind of have to pick them by default, and it's not as if you know you're, you're twisting anybody's arm by doing that. Right. And uh, and how's our fullback situation look? I cheated a little bit. <laughs> um, I picked the the tight end slash fullback Jimmy Kleinsaucer, and uh, honestly, you know, you could make an argument for Jerome Felton. The biggest issue here is the Vikings like to cycle through fullbacks. They give them one or two years. Their contract is up. They don't want to pay a fullback. They just promote one up from the practice squad. And we'll see what that does with CJ Ham, who's had some pretty good highlights as a blocker uh, this year. And they lost Kari Blessingham to um, to another team. So. We'll see about that, but for right now, I'm you know, already getting a shout out on the All Decade podcast. Well, it's just <laughs> <laughs> well, what a trajectory for the yeah, long, of course. Time, not even long time practice squad for the uh, ten game practice squad player. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 point is that they've only had like fullbacks for two, three years at a time, maybe, and so you're picking between Zach Line and Jerome Felton and and Jimmy Klein Saucer. Um, and I'm, I'm sure in, in CJ Ham, and I'm sure I might be missing one here, but, uh, because of that, you have to pick, basically, you could either go with a Pro Bowl credential in Jerome Felton, who actually genuinely had a really good year. You could go with kind of some of the recency they would, they've had with CJ Ham, who might be the best pass catching fullback out of all, all of them. Or you could go with maybe a fan favorite who personally, I think was fairly underrated nationally when he was playing. I remember seeing, you know, plays where he'd be blocking two, three guys at a time, which you just don't see. Uh, especially in the modern NFL. And so I, I went with Klein Saucer. It just felt like he's close enough to just kind of let my biases just go with it, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. And as we move to wide receiver, I think that is one of the more interesting positions in part because not that it was a terribly difficult decision of, of the three wide receivers we were going to keep for our 11 personnel, but the Vikings began the decade with a long streak without a 1,000-yard receiver. It lasted all the way until 2017 when Adam Thielen finally stopped it. And yet, even given that and, and the fact that most teams did not have to deal with a drought like that at wide receiver, I think that these three wide receivers are going to be a, as good as you know almost any all-decade team. When you have Stefan Diggs, Percy Harvin, and Adam Thielen, those are three great playmakers. Even though Percy Harvin didn't have a 1,000-yard season, I don't think anybody is really going to question just how special he was when he got the ball in space. When you talk to people about Dalvin Cook and how good he is in those scenarios, a lot of people say they haven't seen somebody with the Vikings that good in space since Percy Harvin. Um, Adrian Peterson was a different kind of monster and a, a monster no less, but Percy just brings something different. And with Kirk Cousins able to get him the ball, you got to like uh, what you can do with those three wide receivers. What do you think, Arif? Yeah, I think so. I think I wouldn't be surprised if like 20 years down the road, Percy Harvin becomes kind of like this weird like uh, Easter egg or nugget for, for Vikings fans to bring out be like, ah, you know, what could have been or, or whatever. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that's the case for like Stevie Johnson with the Bills or, I don't know, TJ Hushmanzada for the Bengals or something. Like, it's just like one of those receivers who, uh, when you watched him play, you were like, this is just such a remarkable talent. But for one reason or another, whatever it is, um, it, it it didn't turn into kind of the the legendary type of career you associate with that. He did have a 1,000-yard season, just not as a receiver in terms of yards from right, scrimmage. Right. And that was what kind of made him so special is that he was genuinely a really good 
running back, which, I mean, he did that at Florida too, but, you know, you typically isolate what you do best, and, and that's what you do in the NFL. Uh, and, and his play in space is, is some of the best I've ever seen. And so uh, we weren't really designing this team to be kind of a complementary team. We weren't saying, hey, we want one type of receiver, <laughs> another type of receiver. But it just so happens that he'd be a pretty remarkable complement uh, to what Diggs and Thielen can do. And they're both really good after-catch receivers, but they're not in the same category. As, right. as Percy Harvin. Uh, and so, you know, he was remarkably fun to watch. His highlights are still some of the best highlights you can find of a receiver. Um, and then you get to add, you know, 1,000-yard receivers and Diggs and Thielen uh, in, in a genuine argument about kind of who might be better between the two, especially given how, how Diggs is really produced in uh, two of the three games without Thielen here in this last season. And, and you get... You know, just really, uh, I think, really remarkable production out of that group. And you're right. I mean, they they just, I, I think for most of the decade, you know, Vikings fans have been like, what are they going to do at receiver? I mean, you know, Sidney Rice is great, <laughs> but what's the other option? Or, you know, Percy Harvin's great, but, you know, he, he can't be the 1A or whatever, you know. Oh, Michael Jenkins is going to solve the problem. Jerome Simpson's going to solve the problem. It's, you know, it, for a long time, it just felt like this wasn't going to be resolved. And now, you know, you can put him up against... Uh, hey, you know, the Falcons and the and the Steelers will have some really amazing all-decade team receivers, and you'll say, hey, maybe they're not up to that level, but they're right behind them, and that's a really remarkable thing to say. Um, just, uh, just a really talented group. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Minnesota all-decade teams, uh, as you know, if you've been reading the articles or listening to the other podcasts, had some very difficult decisions. So far, no real tough decisions for us on the Vikings, and that continues into tight end. Arif, who is the tight end on the all-decade team? Visanti? No, it's Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Visante was probably listening and was like, "Oh my god! Oh no!" <laughs> I'm well, kidding. Of course, if he's, he's listening, listening. I just want to shout him out. It was really fun watching you play. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't even Kyle know if, Rudolph. I don't even know if Shenko was on the team in 2010. He certainly wasn't in 2011. So. Uh, even if his like one remarkable season counted, I, I don't think you could beat out Kyle Rudolph, who uh, has been the team starting tight end since he was drafted out of Notre Dame. And I think that he probably, it, it's an interesting thing to say, he's more than returned his value for the Vikings second round pick that they invested in him. But I don't think he's ever lived up to his complete potential. If you ever watch what happens at Notre Dame in terms of just the way that he played. Um, but he's been remarkably consistent. Uh, you know, he was just on one side of 500-yard seasons until he got over the hump and got, you know, 500-yard season, then an 800-yard season, then another 500-yard season. And while he may not be there at that point anymore, I, I would be surprised if he finished the season at kind of the same pace. You know, he's been a really reliable target to have early on. He was great for circus catches. Later on, I think he developed even more reliability and was just really great to have on third down. He was obviously always kind of a big red zone threat. Um, And though I was never really, you know, kind of moved by him as a blocker, uh, he uh, he's pretty much improved really substantially in that area over the past couple of years. And so he's kind of become a little bit more of a complete tight end. And uh, I don't. You can't really say that about any of the other tight ends that the Vikings have had. Either they've been like, you know, Ryan Dimperio, like great, or uh, you know, you've got a really remarkable tight end in David Morgan, but he's really only remarkable at the one thing. And it just would be a crime to to leave out Kyle Rudolph for for somebody else. So uh, I, I think he's probably better than a lot of teams all decade tight end. 
um, even if he's kind of on the on the back end of, of the value that he's providing. Uh, and, you know, kind of, uh, especially in his second and third year, kind of the value he provides for what was at the time a very struggling passing offense, uh, it's kind of difficult to understate. Mm-hmm. Under the offensive line, which obviously has not been the Vikings' strength, uh, certainly at the end kind of, of the a decade. Funny and- list, honestly. Yeah, it's it was a, a bit of a difficult one to even put together. So at tackle, um, I think putting Phil Loadhold on there was pretty easy. Massive tackle, six foot eight. Even seeing him at training camp this year is is almost you know it's it's jarring to even just see a human that big who could move and and was as athletic as he was. So he was a bit of an easy pick. But then you got to pick between Riley Reef and Bryant McKinney, and and that one is a little bit more difficult. We ended up and and perhaps this is surprising, perhaps is not. I'm not entirely sure, but we ended up going with Riley Reef in part because he has played uh, more than McKinney, which made it much tougher to pick McKinney, even if McKinney's prime was better than Riley Reef's prime and better than Riley Reef with the Vikings. Inside, um, we, we get a little bit, I think a little bit better. We get Steve Hutchinson, although admittedly he only had kind of. two seasons in this decade with the Vikings. But hey, we need a guard and we're going to use those two seasons. I can't think of another guard who was better than Hutchinson, even if they played for longer. Um, we've also got Joe Berger. We got seven years out of him this decade. So um, that's certainly a help. And and then John Sullivan, um, who, you know, I think is is a very nice player to have inside. So I don't know that this is the best uh, group of offensive linemen compared to other teams, but for a Vikings franchise that has struggled um, to find offensive linemen and put together a good offensive line, worth noting that only two of those five that we have on this all-decade team, they drafted. Uh, given all of that, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad of an offensive line. Riley Reeves, Steve Hutchinson, John Sullivan, Joe Berger, Phil Lodholt. Yeah, um, the two that were drafted out of these five were probably the easiest choices to make. After that, <laughs> Joe Berger was relatively easy to make. You know, you, you can't just say, hey, you know, I'll take Brandon Fusco's 2013 over Joe Berger's kind right. of like, you know, seven three, years. four year. Yeah, uh, well, seven years with the Vikings, three, four as a starter, which I, I always find kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're balancing that against, you know, uh, the you know whoever ended up this decade playing guard at various points in time uh steve hutchinson that was kind of just a shot we were just like hey uh who has played left guard for the vikings man uh and though hutchinson was clearly on the decline in those in those final two years with the vikings um and 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 very obviously on the decline uh, you, you can't really say, hey, I thought Charlie Johnson's couple of years of service were better, and you can't really say, I don't even know if Anthony Herrera played this decade, but you can't really say if, if you know Herrera was better. Certainly Pat Elfline's not making a case. Um, so uh, Hutchinson was a little bit of a default and a little bit of a, hey, if you can kind of put a Hall of Famer a guard in here, why not? It was a little bit of both. <laughs> We'll, we'll take the final two down years of a Hall of Famer. Fine. Twist our arm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fewer right. issues, I think, with the defensive line where, you know, the harder decisions, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, is leaving a player who is on a pace that, you know, almost nobody else has been on in Danil Hunter off of it. 
Uh, to weave him off of it, Arif, who did we put on the all-decade team for the defensive line? Yeah, so Jared Allen obviously was very easy to to, to put on the um, on the Vikings uh, all-decade team, even though, again, this is kind of a player whose production splits the decades. Uh, he ends up with his 22-sack season, I think, was this decade. And so uh, I believe that was 2011, which was a down year for everybody else, essentially. Um and so, uh, you know, that helps, you know, 22 sacks for the Vikings, nearly breaking the, the sack record. Uh, and uh, he had a, a pretty good year before and a pretty good year after that qualify. Uh, and that sack record, I think, overcomes the person that we left off to, Neil Hunter, um, who has had some great years. He's had a couple more years this decade uh, than Jared Allen, just a couple. Uh, but one is kind of a, a reserve uh, specialist. And, and I think he may have more sacks this decade than Allen, I'm not sure. But I think I would take those three years from Allen over the four years with Hunter, I want to say. He was drafted in 2015, so... um, Or not 2015. Uh, I should be better about this. But... um, The the peaks for Allen were just really remarkable, and so it, it's kind of easy. And then then you have to decide between Hunter and Griffin, and I think Griffin's kind of longer tenure. Plus, I mean, he's just played at a really high level for a really long time. Um, it was it was really tough, and I think you can make a really good argument um, for for Hunter. But uh, you know, Griffin, I just think you know his longevity and and playing at a high level is 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 worth it here. And so that's kind of who you end up with edge rusher. And if you could compose like a two deep, you know, this is kind of probably the best defensive line rotation you'll find, or at least one of them. And then at right. defensive tackle, same thing, right? Uh, at at the three technique position, uh, it was a little bit more difficult to find somebody who could effectively make an argument against Kevin Williams. Um, you know, Shree Floyd had a pretty good uh, you know two and a half years, um, but you, you can't say you know Tom Johnson, who I think overperformed his contract basically every year he was with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean he was not better than Kevin Williams. So uh, you know Williams, who maybe. You know, he left the Vikings, played for for the Seahawks, and and still put together a pretty reasonable year for them. So he wasn't even on the end of his uh, the end of his potential effectiveness, despite playing until like thirty six or something. So he was pretty easy to put on. And then you have to decide between Linval Joseph and Pat Williams, and that one's really tough. But Pat Williams did retire um, a year earlier than Kevin Williams left the Vikings, so two years before Kevin Williams retired. And Linval Joseph has been the best pass rushing nose tackle in his time with the Vikings, plus one of the top run-stopping nose tackles. Whereas Pat Williams, you know, he's just this really remarkable run-stopper, a reasonable-ish pass rusher for a nose tackle. But his best years were really before the decade. He was really good for the Vikings uh, this decade, but his his best years were, you know, 2006, 2007, uh, 2008. And so um, you kind of just have to take uh, the what would their performance this decade and Joseph just has been a really remarkable nose tackle yeah that's that's just a crazy good even deep that that too deep especially at defensive end as you mentioned w- would just be insane um, for even some teams is probably all two decades uh, but the Vikings have been very good there on to linebacker where we decided to keep three linebackers in case we went up against any other teams that had a Peterson like back and we needed to play some base defense so There were four, I think, linebackers under consideration. One easy selection, that being Chad Greenway. Um, He played seven seasons with the Vikings, two Pro Bowls between the longevity and being very, very good at his peaks. That was a fairly easy selection. 
Then after we have Chad Greenway on the team, we needed to pick two of these three linebackers, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, EJ Henderson. And we went back and forth a little bit on which two to select. Barr has uh, multiple Pro Bowls, I think four Pro Bowls, which I think even surprised both of us for d- despite how good of a right. pass rusher he is uh, and perhaps goes to show that Pro Bowls should not be the end-all be-all when you are evaluating players. Um, but nonetheless, Anthony Barr does make the team, gives us a bit of an edge rusher, even if we weren't exactly um, compiling this to complement each other, as you've mentioned. And we chose Eric Kendricks over EJ Henderson in part because while EJ Henderson was very good, he did retire after 2011. So um, we took Eric Hendricks' body of work over EJ Henderson's. And uh, I think it's helped us that Eric Hendricks has continued to put together really a remarkable 2019 season. Even in the couple of weeks since we've put this together, he continues to play very, very well. So uh, our front seven on this all-decade team, I think I would take up there with uh, any other all-decade team that, that um gets compiled so that's our front seven Arif how do we look in the secondary yeah the secondary uh I mean this is one where we were like hey if we've got a base defense should we have a nickel corner but I personally could not leave Antoine Winfield off Um, (laughs) you you were adamant about that yeah and so it was really a decision about whether or not we should have Trey Wayne's whether we should treat nickel corners as a separate position and I was like you know what we'll just have both we'll have three linebackers and 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 five (laughs) defensive backs fine uh, no one's making any rules anyway. So hey, we kept the uh, fullback too. So whatever. And yeah, we got the fullback, and so <laughs> we we can we, we've got a, a complete. Was it twenty five or something like that? Right. Um, so yeah, Xavier Rhodes obviously very easy to select. He was pro- he's probably been the best corner the Vikings have had this decade. Even though he's not playing well this year, I think it would be kind of silly to deny that his twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen run was just really remarkable and incredible. And so he was easy to add. Uh, Trey Wayne's, you know, yeah. If if you're treating outside corner as a different position, maybe it's a debate between him and Antoine Winfield, but I don't know if it's a debate between him and anyone else because you're putting him up against people like, you know, Asher Allen and A.J. Jefferson and Josh Robinson. And it's just there's not enough there to say, you know, hey, Trey Wayne's had, you know, two and a half bad years of the Vikings and, and one and a half really good years. And, you know, we're kind of seeing what's happening uh, this year. But um it is really difficult to, to to put anyone else above him because his peak has been better than anyone else at the second corner position this decade, except for Antoine Winfield, who might be one of uh, you know uh, favorite players to watch as a Viking um, over this past decade, who has been really remarkable as a nickel, really remarkable on the outside, underrated in his coverage ability. He was actually kind of um, a top 10 coverage corner and then obviously the best run-stopping corner uh, maybe we've ever seen, uh, certainly we've ever seen for the Vikings and is up there with like Lewis Wright for the Broncos and Rondé Barber for the Bucks in terms of just his ability to stop the run. So uh, just a really remarkable piece to have. And then if we were thinking about this team as a team, which again, we weren't, you end up with a bunch of versatile pieces because you've got Barr, you've got, you know, Winfield, um, you've got, you know, Harrison Smith and Andrew Sandeo, which by the way, were just super easy safety selections. So I don't have to talk about that too much. But then you end up with just this crazy difficult to, def- uh, to 
protect against defense uh, because they can be doing anything. Winfield or Harrison Smith can be blitzing. Winfield can play linebacker, honestly. Um, and, you know, <laughs> you, you you wouldn't be losing anything. Um, so uh, that versatility was, was was kind of an easy add for Winfield at the corner. Sandejo uh, was maybe the only one where you could maybe say, hey, I'd rather have Anthony Harris, but honestly, Harris hasn't played long enough as a Viking, and I would not right. put Jamarcus Sanford, Robert Blanton, or Mr. L. Raymond uh, there instead of him because Sandejo's at least had, I think, this four years as a starter. Two of them, mm-hmm. I think, have been pretty good for the Vikings at least, and obviously he had a pretty good game, uh, you know, right. uh, just last we, week. So We put this uh, list together before we knew that he was back on the Vikings. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he wasn't game. coming back, but, you know, <laughs> we, he came back and he made the selection just a tiny bit easier. So, yeah, Harrison Smith, you know, one of the best safeties of the decade, period. Uh, and and certainly an easy selection for the Vikings here. So really strong secondary when you take a look at their peaks. Um, tough to throw against, and and versatile can play man, zone, pattern coverage, whatever. And who knows? Maybe when we're taping the straight cash podcast in 2029, we'll be talking about Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, on the All Decade team <laughs> right. in the secondary. Uh, let's move on to special teams. Arriva, I'll let you bring us home with the uh, with special teams, which is funny because this is obviously a unit that uh, the Vikings have historically struggled at, specifically kicker. And yet this group of special teamers, a punt returner, kick returner, punter, and kicker, it turned out pretty well, which I, I was a little surprised by, not when you hear the names, but just the fact that the Vikings have a very good special teams unit on the all-decade team. Yeah, uh, Marcus Sherrill's one of the one of the best punt returners of the decade, which I think surprises people when they find that out. But it's difficult to find a punt returner that stays on a team for a very long time. Right. Marcus Sherrill's obviously did that for a while. Fans were calling him the cockroach because it was impossible to cut him. <laughs> uh, he kept on surviving, you know, being quote unquote on the bubble for so long. And I think we found out these past couple of games why you know he survived because it's pretty difficult yep. to catch punts. It turns out, um, <laughs> and he's he's really good at it. And not only that, uh, in the second half of his career as a punt returner he also was pretty good at generating yards off of it not just securing the punt and so he actually has one of the better averages as a punt returner based on you know you have to play with minimums a little bit but one of the better averages as a punt returner of anybody this past decade so really remarkable punt returner Grinnell Patterson I consider to be the best kick returner in NFL history Bears fans in particular want to disagree with me um, but that's fine I mean you know there's there's not a kick returner that that really competes with, uh, as a Viking except for maybe Percy Harvin but Patterson right. has really outdone him it's not often that Percy Harvin wouldn't make uh, the all-decade team for returning kicks, and yet here we are with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's uh, there's this video that, that John Boyce put together for SB Nation about banning kickoffs, and, and he's like, it's the most boring play, and no one scores, one exception, Cordero Patterson. Uh, <laughs> when you think about it like that, you know, because as a Vikings fan, you hear about this, like, thing about banning kickoffs, and you're like, well, that's silly. Um, but, you know, we've been, you know, we, we've been treated, as, as people who watch the Vikings, we've been treated to just a really remarkable set of kick returners, and uh, probably shouldn't, you know, lose sight of that, because it's really remarkable what Patterson, you know, still has the ability to do. He's still returning touchdowns. So uh, pretty easy to pick him there at, Punter, I we picked Chris Cluey, um, but there's not really another option. <laughs> um, right. Which I mean, he wasn't bad either. The, I don't want to like uh, right. overdo it. Uh, at one point uh, in his in his fight with the Vikings uh, over over comments <laughs> that that right yeah that you know maybe the special teams coordinator may or may not have said you know he <laughs> says I'm the best punter in the history of your franchise, and yeah I guess that's true. 
can't really contest that fact. Um, so, yeah, and he was a pretty good punter for a while. Obviously, his last year with the Vikings uh, wasn't great either on the field or off the field as a punter. But the Vikings have cycled through punters since then, and they haven't been particularly happy. Um, and Britton Colquitt arrived a little bit too late to, for him to really challenge at the position. So the Vikings have only had two punters with over 100 punts. Chloe clearly outperforms the other one. So uh, then you look at kicker, and it's like, well, if you only take the best year, you take Blair Walsh. But I think if you take the body of work over the course of their time with the Vikings over the decade, I, I guess it's Ryan Longwell, and that's who he picked. You know, he doesn't have a ton of range, but he was super reliable for the Vikings, even up until the very end. Um, and so you end up picking him. Uh, obviously, uh, Dan Bailey arrives too late to to really sufficiently challenge for the spot, and his whole body of work doesn't really compete with, with Longwell's body of work either. So, you know, he's a pretty good pick. Um, and again, it's not – I don't think you're really losing any – kind of with Chloe, you're not losing anything by picking them. It just also so happens to be that they're – pretty much the default picks there right and even if Blair Walsh's uh great year was outstanding as you mentioned it would just be hard because of one certain kick to have Blair Walsh as the all-decade team for the Vikings as their yeah it would just be kind of a slap in the face (laughs) to pick and be like well look at his body of work like well but come on Yeah, so that is the Vikings' all-decade team. Let us know what you think. I I think that that front seven with Gerald Allen, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Kevin Williams, and then the trio of linebackers, Barr, Greenway, Kendricks, is going to be very tough to beat. Um, On offense, obviously, with Peterson, the three wide receivers, that is a very talented group. So um, let us know what you think. I I think that this turned out to be a a very good Vikings all-decade team, even at some positions like wide receivers, special teams that – offensive line that perhaps you wouldn't think um so head over to the comments tell us what you think about the team um and with that thank you so much for listening to the straight cash podcast